0: Aren't you sick of it? Aren't you sick of living in this world of rinse and repeat? We upload the video and watch the results. We upload the video and watch the results. You get some success. It gets super exciting. We want to upload more. It doesn't work. We get super bummed out and then we're wondering why are we doing this in the first place? If this sounds like you, well, good news, it doesn't need to be. On today's episode of Cheap Talk, we're going to share with you a whole bunch of tips and tricks about storytelling, about presenting the real you, and about engaging with the audience. So this year doesn't have to be the same as last. Let's do this. Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. And welcome to another episode of Tube Talk. My name is Liron Segev. I'm a tech blogger, a YouTuber, and the director of customer success here at vidIQ, where every day we help creators, big and small Level up their channels, get more subscribers, more views in less time. I'm super excited today to have Antonio Neves, who's going to be giving us some great insights. Antonio is an award-winning journalist, internationally recognized speaker, a top success coach, and he is just about to publish his book, Stop Living on Autopilot, Take Responsibility for Your Life and Rediscover a Bolder, Happier You. That's a bit of a mouthful. Antonio, welcome to Tube Talk.
1: Hey, thank you so much. I'm really honored to be here and to join you for this conversation. So super
0: exciting times. A book is coming out. What? probably within the next couple of days
1: after this episode airs? 100%. Yeah. Stop living on autopilot. Like you said, (laughs) the subtitle is a mouthful, but it really (laughs) is something to help people to to get off of cruise control and start shifting gears again. Uh,
0: Absolutely. Love it. Love it. So I did a little quick intro, but I always like to ask this question.
1: Who is Antonio in a tweet? Oh, wow. It's interesting because it depends. If you would have caught me a few years ago and asked me that question, I would have told you very similar to the introduction. Award-winning journalist, author, internationally recognized speaker. Today, what I would tell you has nothing to do with my profession. I would say I'm Gigi's husband and I'm August and Harper's father. And the reason why I, t- I, I say that now is, one, that's what I connect to more than my, my quote unquote profession, though I love my work. But even as it comes to storytelling, I find that people lean more into me saying I'm Gigi's husband, I'm August and Harper's father, than the standard wrote, I am journalist, speaker, mm. author. So I find when you go more human, people lean in more.
0: Critical to the mission is being able to be a good storyteller. Let's talk about that for a bit. How did you start out understanding that a story is more impactful than simply reading off a bio?
1: Yeah, well, I think it would be good for your listeners to know a little bit about my background. So you mentioned being an award-winning journalist. For over 12 years in New York City, I was a a television host. I was a reporter. I was a, a correspondent with major television networks in the United States, everything from NBC, to PBS, to BET networks, to to even kids' television network, Nickelodeon, Mm. and I've done everything from live TV to tape TV, you name it. I've interviewed every big name you can, can think of over the years. So I've run the gamut of storytelling. So my experience comes from working in different industries and, again, being able to connect with a variety of people, but also it comes from being able to have to tell a story sometimes in 30 seconds and sometimes having to be able to tell a story if I have an hour or 30 minutes if I do a documentary. For me, the biggest thing when it comes to storytelling that, that I've learned over the years is, you know, tell a story, not the whole story. I remember learning that when I was in graduate school at Columbia University for journalism. What I find nowadays when it comes to storytelling is people try to tell you everything. It's like, even in a, if you meet someone in an elevator, oh, tell me about yourself. They give you the rote boring. (laughs) I was born in this town, went to this university. I work here, like I'm bored already. So I always want to say, tell a story as opposed to the whole story. And you got to figure out which one, which story really catches people's attention. And if you do a good job, Leron, when you tell a story, the gift is that someone's going to say, tell me more about that. Or they're going to click to watch the next video, or they're going to read the description of the video. My goal with storytelling is to get someone, whether it's verbally or with an action with their mouse, to say, tell me more about that. So again, tell a story as opposed to the whole story. Okay. Love it. Especially when it comes
0: to us as content creators, a lot of the big mistakes that I've seen people do Is that they tell everything and they give away the plot as well so they have a thumbnail which tells you everything you need to know the title confirms the thumbnail and now well there's no real reason to watch this video there's no intrigue there's no mystique there's nothing you've just told me the ending of the of the movie i don't need to see the movie this ending has been spoiled right so i love the idea of telling just part of the story getting people hooked and into you and the way that you communicate, leaving them hungry for more. And that gets them to click on your next video and then your next video and keeping them on the channel. So we know the theory, but with all your background, you must have some serious tips. You must know how to really connect with an audience very, very quickly. Anything you can share with us as far as that's concerned?
1: Absolutely. So, you know, as a journalist, when, you know, I come from a day and age of journalism, when people had to turn on the TV to watch the news, it wasn't as uh, prevalent as being (laughs) able to just to go online. But this was even back then with local news or national news that I was doing, but even today is this right here. You and this is also works as a speaker. So I speak on stages to audiences from 300 people to 5,000 people. And what I've learned is that you have to hit People in the face right away. You can't back into your story. So I've learned over the years, whether I'm doing a news report for local news about, you know, a local community uh, election, or if I'm on stage and I'm just introduced and I have to get the attention of 5,000 people to make them say, you know what? I want to listen to this guy for the next 45 minutes. Think about that when you're on stage for 45 minutes, Right. I have to hit them in the face Immediately with something compelling, hopefully emotional, hopefully human that grabs their attention, they then gives me permission to tell them more, but if I don't get their attention right from the jump. I'm in trouble. So sometimes what I do, a device that I'll use is I'll start telling a story or something really emotional, but I won't necessarily always tell you the end. Yes, I'll save that for towards the end of the video, but I'll get their attention right at the jump, whether that's a talk, whether that's a video, you name it. And I find that that just really gets people, but I find too many people in journalism, we call it burying the lead. Mm -hmm. Imagine reading a newspaper article or a print article. And it's 600 words but you wait to word 480 to tell me what's the most important thing mm-hmm. most people most people aren't going to get there absolutely so you got to hit them i mean i hate to use that visual but <laughs> you have to hit them in the face like a taser <laughs> to, to get their attention okay so grab them right off the bat can i give you a quick example definitely absolutely so, so in my book I start off, you'll laugh at this. I start off in the book with me smoking a cigarette in an alley in Los Angeles, and I'm wearing a bright green gardening glove. And the reason why I'm wearing a bright green gardening glove is because my wife didn't know that I was sneaking and smoking at the time. (laughs) And so I wore the glove so it would cover up the smell of the smoke. And then a homeless man came up to me and asked me if he could bum a couple of cigarettes. And I said, absolutely. So I gave him the cigarettes, we start talking like smokers do, and then he asked me about this big green gardening glove. And I told him, "Oh, my wife doesn't know that I smoke. This is so she doesn't smell it." He looked at me as if he was ashamed, as if our roles had reversed, as if he he was employed mm-hmm. and, and I was homeless, and he said, "Hey man, you got to figure that out." He nice. put an expl- you got So I opened the story with this device of this guy who on the internet, you Google his name, he, oh, he speaks at Google. He speaks at Amazon. He speaks abroad. He's a, a top coach to top executives. That's what the internet will tell you. But what I give is the reader an immediate glimpse of what the internet or what a Google search would never tell them. And that right there one, it makes people laugh a little bit. Two, it shows them that I'm human just human. like them. And then they're like, oh, I'm intrigued. Now this dude can start to tell me a little bit more, maybe give me some advice, give me some suggestions. But without that permission, first, by me telling that story, uh, I don't know if people would keep reading. Uh, yeah,
0: I, I love that. Because again, it's, you don't have to tell everything in an order either. You started with a random story in the sometime in your life, it wasn't I was born here, these are my parents, this is where I lived, my first car was this. It wasn't that. It was a random story at some point in time. And then you have now permission by me turning pages to now explore anything because now you've got my attention. As far as, as, far as YouTube is concerned and producing stuff on video, what do you think of the concept of doing exactly that? Not giving the entire story in an order. Maybe you start with the middle or maybe you start just before the cliffhanger and then you go back. Let me tell you how I got here.
1: Is that a good mechanism to use? That is a brilliant storytelling uh, device. A lot of movies do that. A lot of great journalism does that. A lot of documentaries do that as well. Uh, it's kind of like a, um, a donut, if you will. Uh, there's a hole in the middle. But so yeah, so when you start with that punch in the face, but you don't sum it up, then you get into the background of the story and then you wrap it up at the end you know, it's kind of like having a meal, you give them this person, this appetizer to whet their appetite. Mm. And then you're giving them the main course, which they're gonna enjoy the, the meat and vegetables, if you will. And then to end the meal perfectly, you're giving them a nice des- dessert. And for me, that'd be a cup of coffee as oh, well. Yes, absolutely. Right, to make everything go down well. But if you just gave everything right away, uh, they're, they're not gonna keep watching. You're gonna lose interest right away. And again, that's in print, that's in video on and on, and I see so many people who tell me everything too quick, that they don't make me want to lean in. Again, they don't make me want to say, tell me more about that. It may, as you were talking earlier, it made me think about people who go into job interviews. And a question that we always get asked in job interviews or if we're at a networking event or that random meetup on Zoom, you, you always will hear someone say, oh, tell me, tell me your story, what's your story? Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, people give you that boring resume <laughs> answer. But I found that even with people, executives, I've coached over the years, I always tell them, Hey, find three things about you that would never show up on a resume that make you stand out. And because if your resume looks the same as someone else's the competition, how are you going to ensure that you are memorable, Mm -hmm. that you stand out? If your video, if you know, I'm going to do a video on, on topic X and there are, you do a search and there are Hundreds of thousands of other videos on the exact same topic. What is that unique perspective, that unique flair that you have to distinguish yourself from these individuals that's going to make you stand out and most importantly is going to make you be memorable? And and that's the key word right there, memorable, memorable. because when you do that, when you tell stories in a unique way, you're memorable and people look forward to it. Now, even They'll even be patient in this day and age when we're not patient. If you're great, again, with hitting people in the face right away, they'll be pa- more patient than otherwise. see, and, and that's exactly the show formula of a YouTube video.
0: If you don't grab people right at the outset in the first 30 seconds or less, if you don't grab them, the hook isn't strong enough. The rest of your video could be absolutely amazing, but nobody's going to see that because they're not hooked that you haven't grabbed their attention, they're going to go back. And there's hundreds and thousands of other videos talking about the same point And they could simply
1: choose that video. You've got to grab them. You, you got to grab them. A great way to put this as you say that is imagine the opening to two videos. Uh, video A, by the end of this video, I'm going to show you how to do X. Okay, that's video A. Video B, I messed up. Five million times trying to figure out how to do X. Let me show you what I did wrong so you can get it right. Right, absolutely. Which absolutely. one are you going to watch? Absolutely. I'm going to watch video B. Of course, absolutely. I'm human. I messed up this many. Right, I'm, I'm human. Mm-hmm. C- completely. And and again,
0: it's the whole get to it. So if I'm watching a video how to unclog my toilet, I always use this example. I never know why, but that's my go-to. How do I unclog <laughs> my my toilet? I don't want to know what you had for breakfast. I don't know. want to know what you did that day. I just want a solution. I just want you to get in there and tell me what to do before my toilet floods and I have to call in a plumber. That's what I'm looking for. And what we find a lot of times with those initial hooks, it just doesn't do the job. So you know what? Somebody else will. So I love the idea of you call it, hit someone in the face. Okay, that's a visual you want to have. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it gets the point across. Grab them in, hook them in immediately so that they want to watch the rest of it. And don't forget to throw in that human emotion of like, boy, am I going to tell you how I screwed this thing up?
1: Oh, yeah, and- oh,
0: oh I'm interested.
1: Yeah, and they run something else people have to do. And this is, it's obvious, but I think it bears repeating is that you have to have a clear beginning, middle and end. I can't overemphasize how important that is because there's a lot of beginning and middles, but, but very rarely is there an end. But sometimes even there's an end, but there's no like firm beginning middle. Like there's right. an arc, there's an arc to a story, and most people, uh, unfortunately, that they're rambling or they're they're going going off in too many different directions, and there's not a clear beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, the
0: three act play, right? <laughs> you got to have the tension, have the buildup, but have the satisfaction have the ending. Okay. So I see it's all cool. How journalism, how interviewing skills, how being a a top coach, how being speaking on stages, the common denominator is still being able to connect with people at the end of the day. And whether you're shooting a YouTube video, an Instagram video, or you're on stage, you're still connecting with people The people are in your audience. And what a lot of people have lost sight of is the fact that it's just a number. I have X subscribers. Those subscribers are people and those people want to watch your stuff. If you can connect with them, well, you now have an audience. Okay. So I'm glad we, uh, sorry, I couldn't let you simply skip over the storytelling, but I love that. But I think it's the most critical skill that YouTubers need to have. And I love the way that you've approached it. Have you seen something that made you completely eye roll and go, oh my God, I cannot believe this person just did that. That is a critical mistake. Never, ever do that.
1: Uh, I think from a critical mistake perspective is I think what a lot of people do is they're trying to be like everyone else. So what mm. I see when I, when I scroll through videos, I'm basically, I'm seeing someone has basically grabbed someone else's uh, process and then they just try to do it as themselves. What I'm seeing not enough of is the actual person behind the video. So, sure, I can see, okay, this person, this is what they did in the first 10 seconds. This is what they did in the next 30. This is what they did in the next 40. Then they came to an ending. Yes, I can put that on paper. I can replicate that. The question begs, though, how can you insert you into that? And what I'm talking about right now is being able to find your own unique voice, which is one of the most challenging things ever. The feedback I got in my journalism career, my TV career over the years, over and over again, was someone saying, hey, Just be yourself. And i always be like, who who the hell is that? How do I do that? I don't know who I am because you're trying to be like every other reporter that has come before you. Your secret sauce is is who you are. Your your secret sauce is your story. Your secret sauce sometimes are the things that make you most vulnerable. I'll give you a quick example. So if we were having this conversation five years ago, I wouldn't be talking to you the way I am right now. You probably wouldn't hear the little bit of a, a twang in my voice <laughs> you wouldn't hear the casual nature of how i'm speaking right now you wouldn't hear the occasional expletive because i had this story in my head of this is how i'm supposed to communicate i'm supposed to be like this i'm supposed to talk like that like every other reporter does like every other speaker does however i found that once i started being more me those things that i frankly i may have found ugly those things that may i may have found a vulnerable again that brought people closer to me that this guy does not speak the king's English, that he does have some nuances in how he speaks. Yes, he does use slang. He's not trying to sound like everyone else. Even uh, so, that makes a big difference. But even from a visual perspective, right, people are trying to get an idea of who we are. I used to wear the uniform uh, that speakers wore on stage. We were a nice pair of slacks, a button-down shirt, and a, and a blue or black blazer. You know what I'm talking about, like the speaker guy you've seen on many videos. or Completely. The, or the the advertising guy you see but i always felt so uncomfortable wearing that i'm a guy that loves to wear a a great pair of jeans and a really great t-shirt and some sneakers and i'll never forget the first time i went to a major speaking event and i decided to wear what i normally would wear i still looked professional i looked together but i wasn't wearing the the blazer and the button-down shirt and i was afraid that the client would fire me that the audience would say who is this guy what coming on the stage so casual Believe it or not, the exact opposite happened. I found that I earned more of their respect because I was not like them, because I was being myself. We, we, I thought it was gonna cause friction, Liron, but it actually brought me closer to them. So when I think about the things that frustrate me is when I see everyone just trying to be like everyone else. I want you to speak like you, even if you have an accent, whether you're you know, international, whether you have a foreign accent, foreign accent, whatever, just speak like you do and don't make apologies for it. A lot of people make so many apologies on Beto sorry for my accent, sorry. No, be unabashedly who you are. Dress how you want to dress. Put your spin on things, your unique sense of humor in that. And I tell you, that's gonna make people trust you more. They're not gonna think, oh, he's just remixing what somebody else does. No, this this guy, this woman, has their own point of view. They, oh, they're willing to stand for something. And even if, you know, and I'm not saying it's gonna be perfect the first time out, it's going to be clunky, but being clunky That's what helps you grow because you end up building momentum as you lean more into that. I'm not sure if I directly answered your question on what something I don't (laughs) like seeing, but I don't like people trying to be like everyone else.
0: Yeah. You know, the saying goes, be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. Yes. That's what it boils down to. And what you've just said is exactly that. When you're a copy of somebody else, well, people don't want to watch a copy. They're going to watch the original. If you want to be a vlogger like Casey Neistat, that's great. Great inspiration from him but then bring yourself to the table. Why would someone wanna watch you and your channel? Why would they wanna watch you playing a game versus hundreds if not thousands of other gaming channel? What do you bring to the table? And I love what you said about being on stage in sneakers and jeans, that's me. I once was invited to a CNBC interview. It It was a live show. In jeans and my T-shirt, you know, it was still wasn't just uh, a rat it wasn't this terrible T-shirt, but it's not your typical suit and tie. And the host actually said to me, he "said What? You couldn't even find a tie?" And what was very funny about that interview is, to this day, people still mention that one interview where I was wearing my jeans and my T-shirt because they during the entire day it was a live event that they were commenting on a technology event, and throughout that live, that entire day, they ha- must have had maybe 10, 15 different guests on that show, but they all looked exactly the same as yes. each other. And here I was in my sneakers, jeans, and a t-shirt. Well, guess what? You are the ones that sticks out. So it's all about personality. It's all about making that connection. But the important question is, well, how do I get someone to turn up the volume, to watch my entire video so they're going to watch more of it? What can you? What's a good tip I can use today?
1: Yeah, to get people to turn up the volume, I, I think a quick story I want to tell you is years ago, when I began in, in local news before I was with the major networks, I worked for a small local news station as a reporter, and I went in early one morning and the news director was looking at reels that people had sent him reporters uh, that wanted to be hired at the station mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to give you an idea of the time frame you're going to laugh. These were VHS tapes. Oh, that they old sent school. In. <laughs> Old school. But he did something so fascinating. I know you and listeners are going to appreciate. He'd put a VHS tape in, push play, watch for a quick second, then he would eject it. Put another VHS tape in, push play, watch for a second, and then eject it. He did it over and over again until I realized that the volume was turned down on the television. And I I asked him, I said, how can you hire this man or woman to be a reporter if you can't hear what they are saying? And he said, I want to see if I want to turn the volume up. You see every single day when people log on to YouTube, they're doing so many different things and sometimes the volume isn't going to be on and what they're doing just based on how you're showing up on video are determining whether or not they want to turn the volume up or Mm. press mute or go to another video. What I'm talking about is bringing a certain energy is bringing a certain charge and what I'm really talking about is being willing to do the work when no one is watching. I want to tell you another quick story I think will illustrate this. Uh, way back, get this, way back in the year 2001, I went to a rap concert in New York City. I remember the opening act coming out and pretty much everyone ignoring the opening act. And this is before LinkedIn, right. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, etc. People ignore the opening act. Uh, they had drinks, they smoked cigarettes, they got on their phone, whatever. But Leron, slowly but surely, I wanted to, quote unquote, turn the volume up on this opening act, because even though pretty much no one was paying attention to them, they still were giving absolutely everything mm-hmm. while no one was watching they they, they didn't phone it in. It was like they were performing at the MTV Video Music Awards. They were already a multi-platinum Grammy Award winning artist. Mm -hmm. While no one was watching, they gave everything. So so a quick question to, to listeners, like when no one is watching, do you still give everything or do you phone it in? But get this, three years later, three years later, I found out that that person who was giving everything on stage while no one was watching was someone by the name, they're calling this person a brand new artist, three years later, was someone by the name of Kanye West. Uh, wow. Wow. Now it goes without saying that Kanye believes in Kanye. <laughs> uh, but who would have believed in Kanye if Kanye didn't believe in Kanye? Now, I'm not saying I agree with everything Kanye West does. These not days. Sure. It better be politics, social media, etc. reality television show wife, you know, amazing successful person. And, but when people give Kanye a hard time, I can't give him the same hard time because I knew for years he was giving everything while no one was watching. The, the point I'm trying to get across to get people to want to turn up the volume, even if that first video only gets eight views and the next one only gets a uh, 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 1,200, and then slowly it gets 300, like you have to be willing to show up whether you have one view mm. or you have Billions of views. And what I find is that some people think they're magically going to turn it on all of a sudden, when they have a, a lot of subscribers, when they have a lot of views, but no, the magic happens. When no one is watching, that's that's why, that's why I started in local, you start in local news as a reporter. You know why? Because you can mess up mm-hmm. because you can't mess up if you get that big job immediately at NBC National. Like if I would have messed up like when I got the big jobs at NBC and PBS, it would have been over. But because I had that track record when no one was watching, I think for you right now, what a gift if you don't have a crazy amount of views right away. They're gonna come, don't get me wrong. They're gonna come if you listen to podcasts like this, if you keep putting in the work. But you, what I'm asking you to do is still to show up and give everything, even if the numbers yep. aren't what you want them to be. Don't think you're magically going to be able to bench press 350 <laughs> pounds when you haven't even bench pressed 125. Well, and, and you know what? When there's nobody watching,
0: that's an amazing time to learn. It's an yes. amazing time that you can screw up completely. And it's okay. But you, by the time you do it, it's a skill. And this is what people need to really, really understand. None of us were born knowing how to read and write. None of us were born knowing how to use a knife and a fork or ride a bicycle or swim. These are certain skills that we've picked up over the years. And the more that we do it, the better we get at it. So we're going to mess it up at the beginning. Well, mess it up in front of nobody, but then do it again and again and again. And the more you do, the better you get. And so by the time the audience shows up, you're going to be Kanye, not opening act, but Kanye main stage act because you're yes. so good
1: at this. Yes. And by the way, by the way, did you notice how when everything you just said, you, you just gave me chills. I'm fired up right now. Uh, but everything you just, if, if people noticed when I told the Kanye story, I didn't give his name right away. Think about right. how boring yes. that would have been yes. if I said, I saw Kanye in 2001, three years before his first album came out. Mm-hmm. No, I saw this opening act. I'm just going back to what we talked about earlier. Right. I saw this opening act before Twitter, YouTube, and all these things existed. No one, so again, I just used a device there that when I, I, tell, this is my, I tell that story in my book, I do the story on stages sometimes, but I do a device and then I'll go on and go deeper into the whole, what you do while no one is watching is where the magic happens. And then I come back to the reveal mm-hmm. of who Kanye is. You can, you can probably already imagine what that video would look like uh, if I did that in a video format. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: That's this is what I love. This is where it, it all comes together. It's putting it into practice because you've actually got to do it. I mean, you can listen to a billion podcasts and watch a million YouTube how-to videos and buy a bazillion different courses, but until you do it and get better at doing well, the theory is one thing, but the practice is where it makes or breaks, and that's why you've got to do it a time and time and time again until you get it right.
1: Yeah, the- and you just said something really important. We're, you know, we always talk about metrics, right? Of, of course, metrics are important. KPIs are important. Unfortunately, I think we only look at certain metrics. We only sometimes we only look at subscribers. We only look at how long people watch videos. We only look at the number of views. But there's also another metric I want you to check off the list every single day. And that metric is I hit record.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: I hit publish. Most people forget about that metric that the metric of I hit record. I wrote a script. I hit publish is equally as important as the other ones, but we give the other ones so much more weight. You, I know you can't see it's like building. It's like building muscle. You don't see it in the process. It comes over time, but please don't ever discount hitting record and hitting publish. And it's a
0: nice endorphin run because you've ticked it off your list. You've, you've achieved something. A lot of the big Marine training is all about make your bed in the morning. It, doesn't, it sounds weird. Why would you make your bed in the morning? You're, you're learning to become a soldier or a fighter. What's the bed got to do it with it? And they explain that it's a task. You start your day by ticking something off the list and achieving something. And that's a great start to every single day and that's what we have to be we have to be in that mindset of you know what i published today or i recorded today or i edited today i wrote a script today i am making progress towards my goal and that's absolutely absolutely critical now as we're going through this motion there's one thing that kind of keeps on jumping at me especially working with a lot of creators look a lot of lot of youtubers is this whole rinse and repeat cycle, right? You upload, you look at your analytics, you look at your metrics, you see whether it's working or not. A lot of people suffer from anxiety. A lot of people suffer from stress. Uh, Eventually people burn out. And the one word that really struck me in your book title is autopilot. What does that mean?
1: Autopilot means when you're doing anything without really thinking anymore. It's when you're just going through the motions. Mm. It's when you're just on cruise control. It's when sometimes everything on paper looks good. Your views could look good. Your subscriber count could look good, everything. But you know, internally, something is off. Something isn't right. Even though, you know, you've seen the growth over time, you realize maybe that that content that you're doing, that is getting the views, that's getting the thumbs up, you name it. You're like, that's good, but that's actually not even really what I want to talk about. Right now, I'm living someone else's life. I like to think about, I used to speak a lot on, on college campuses and I'd meet young people and I'd say, oh, what are you majoring in? And they'll say something like, oh, you know, mechanical engineering. And I'll say, oh, great. When did you get into mechanical engineering? And they're like, I'm not. That's what my mom and dad wanted me to major in. Mm -hmm. I'm not that I found out the year I graduate there'll be jobs open in that field. So it's no wonder that years later they're just on autopilot going through the motions. And I found myself in that exact same situation when on paper in my career, everything was looking great. Uh, Speaking at major organizations, I had the house with the white fence, the wife and the kids, but internally I was withering because I was going through the motions. One thing I had stopped doing was being bold and courageous in my work. The guy that arrived, and I think a lot of creators are gonna appreciate this right here, because I want you to think back to when you decided that you wanted to be a creator, when you decided you wanted to hit record, when you decided you wanted to hit publish. The guy who arrived in New York City in 2000 with less than a thousand dollars in his bank account, who wanted to break into the television industry, who was bold, who was audacious, who was courageous. There was, there was no door he wasn't gonna knock on. Guess what, that guy disappeared. Mm-hmm. That hustle disappeared. Me doing those things that would increase my heart rate, mm-hmm. that would give me butterflies, that would make my hands tremble because I'm about to say something or do something that scares me a little bit, that guy disappeared. I started doing the safe thing, if you will. And the, the right. thing about you, this is this, the safe thing, sometimes it rewards you. Society wants you to do the safe thing. They want you to buy the home that you can't afford. They want you instead of keep keep driving that car that's paid off to get a brand new one to so you can have a brand new payment. They want you to be okay with those standard two weeks vacations. But at some point we, we, we can push pause and say, is this actually what I want? And that, by the way, me no longer being bold and courageous is what led to me secretly smoking cigarettes <laughs> Yes, in an alley with a bright yep. green gardening glove because uh, I was hiding a part of me of, of who I was. And that's thank goodness the outcome of that was me speaking as I speak today, was me um, dressing as we mentioned earlier on stages and even me getting the book deal. My three books I had published before this were all self-published, which is awesome. However, me actually getting real actually led to me getting a major publishing deal with penguin random house and Rodale books because i decided to stop living on autopilot myself and it's something i have to uh commit to every single day because it's easy to get stuck going through the motions can i tell you one quick story definitely there's a great i remember reading this article uh around the time i was going through my own little uh internal kind of crisis and i knew something just wasn't right and they were interviewing these two business owners that started a company in New York City in the 1990s. And for people who don't know, New York City in the 1990s, it wasn't all Disney like it is right now. <laughs> yes. It was a lot more rough and raw and rugged. And uh, they, as they were talking about this time, one of the business owners was reminiscing. He said, oh man, I really missed the old New York talking about what it was like in the 90s, how different it was. But get this his business partner corrected him and he said you don't miss the old new york what you miss is the old you yeah who Mm -hmm. you were during that time so for people listening those creators again i invite you to think back to why you wanted to hit record why you wanted to hit publish and how much of that man or woman still exists Are, are you doing things that do give you butterflies that do give you a, a bit of an increased heart rate because you're like, holy moly, I'm about to put myself out there and I don't know how it's going to be received. If you're doing something these days and it doesn't give you the, the slightest kind of uh, before you hit publish, <laughs> maybe you're not, uh, maybe you are on autopilot some.
0: Yeah, maybe not pushing it just where you're supposed to be pushing it. Because when we all start, we're just hungry, and we, we just want to get it done, and we hustle is real, and we see that North Star, and nothing's going to stop us to get, getting it. But after a while, it kind of wears at you. Do you find a lot of people saying, man, those were the good old days, but let's be honest, I'm married, I've got kids, I've got responsibilities. It is what it is now, and let's just deal with it.
1: Yes. A lot of people say those are the good old days. A lot of people truly believe that the best thing to ever happen to them is, is behind them. And I think that's really, really unfortunate. If someone says high school was the best years of my life or college was the best years of my life. I always like to say, well, well what have you been doing since then? Mm. That something that was over five, 10, 20 years ago is the best thing to ever happen to you. Uh, in the book, I talk about how a tombstone can have three dates you know, I know we're typically we're used to a tombstone having two dates, two dates. the day you were born and the mm-hmm. day you die. But I believe it can have three dates. It can have the date that you were born, the date that you gave up and got on cruise control and stopped and lived on autopilot, and the day you die. Unfortunately, that middle date, the date that people gave up and say, Oh, those are the everything's okay. You know, things have changed now. I'm married and I have kids. I'm no longer that guy. The date that people give up. In the date that people die, sometimes there's a long amount of time between there. Yes. And that there's a long amount of time, unfortunately, and people just start, slowly start withering. Atrophy sets in. And they wonder why they need that drink or two at the end of the day to right. relax. It's because they're not actualizing. They wonder why the television screen says, are you still watching mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Netflix mm-hmm. or Amazon Prime? <laughs> because yeah. there's something inside of them that wants to get out. They're, they wonder why they struggle to sleep. It's because in many ways they haven't earned their sleep. They're not putting themselves out there. I'm not saying everyone has to do anything crazy. I'm not inviting anyone to quit their job and not take care of their responsibilities. I am asking people to be willing to find, to get to, willing to find their edge in small ways. I'm going to get motivational speaker corny for a quick second. Uh, <laughs> if you, if you, if you have a pot of water on a stove at sea level at 211 degrees, the water is going to be hot. Don't put your hand in there. The wild thing is, if you turn it up just one degree, one degree to 212 degrees, the water will start boiling. So I just invite creators to ask themselves what is that one degree they can turn it up today? Not, mm-hmm. not 10 degrees, not 15 degrees, not 20 degrees, not quitting your job, not leaving your relationship because you want to move to Bali. I'm saying what is just the one degree you can turn it up today as a creator and then tomorrow as well. And what happens when you do just that one degree, it works like compound interest. Yep. You start creating your own momentum and guess what, what your videos look like today versus what they will look like a month from now, three months from now, when you turned up one degree, you won't even recognize who that man or woman was three months ago.
0: Totally, totally, totally. It's like when you're trying to turn a big ship, you can't just decide at the last minute just to go (laughs) hard left. It just doesn't work that way. You've got to start making those little incremental changes way before the end goal. But you know what? You know where you want to get to. And the only way to get there is by making that one degree turn. Slowly here, slowly there. And over time, little degree by one degree by one degree, all equal, amazing, amazing results. So... Love that concept, especially for us as creators, because it's so easy just to get lost and to look at other channels and say, well, look how good they are. I'm never going to be this good. Go to any channel, go to the video tabs, sort by, the, by date, go look at the oldest video that they have on their channel. That's where they started. Compare it to where they are today. Look at those little degrees and degrees changes that they had to do to get this good today. Critical, critical, critical. Now, speaking of time, one concept that you have in the book is this whole 30 day. Let's look at a 30 day period, which is interesting because on on our YouTube channels, we always say, don't just look at the micro, don't look at the last 24 hours, go look at a little bit bit of a helicopter view, look at 30 days, look at 90 days, smooth out the highs and the lows, those really get you a view of your channel. You also have a concept of 30 days. What is your concept of 30 days?
1: Uh I like the 30 day concept first and foremost, because it's accessible. Uh, it's not its not like six months, it's not a year. It doesn't like, you can actually, it's tangible, you can do it. And I'll, I'll put this in the context, though this applies for creators, I'm, I'm gonna put this in the context of someone who has a, a job, if you have the standard kind of mm-hmm. nine to five job. Mm-hmm. And I invite you to do this, to think back over your last 30 days at work and ask yourself a really simple question based on how you showed up the last 30 days. And that is if your company, if your boss had to make a decision to rehire you based on the last 30 days, would the answer immediately be yes? Or would they have some pause? Would there be some hesitation because you didn't show up the way you should have? And we all can probably answer that question based on the last 30 days. We can also, this, you'll laugh at this, if you happen to be in a relationship, married, all right? If you happen to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, think about the last 30 days of your relationship. Based on the last thirty days, would your partner immediately say mm-hmm. yes? I want you as my boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, or wife. Ouch! Ouch! Let me tell that- you, when I when I ask myself that question, I'm like, uh, I don't know if my wife would immediately say yes based on how I showed up the last thirty days because I still haven't fixed that mm-hmm. leaky that leaky sink in the bathroom that I told her I would do. Um, So you can think about this from a content creation perspective. You you decided to become a content creator for a reason because you had something to say. You had something to share. So Mm -hmm. I invite you to look back over your last days, 30 days as a creator and ask yourself, are you still showing up? Are you still as committed? Are you still doing what you said you were going to do when you initially decided that you wanted to do this? If you were being, if someone was actually, you know, paid you to do this on a regular basis, would they still want to pay you based on how you showed up the last 30 days? And if the answer is no, that's cool. What I don't want you to do, this isn't an exercise in beating yourself up and giving yourself a hard time. No, this is an exercise of collecting data Mm -hmm. so we can improve the same way you look at analytics and data. This is your personal analytics. Look at those. Are you giving the same effort? Are you getting feedback from people before you hit publish? Or are you doing this in a vacuum? Are you using this service right here that can help you? Or are you trying to say, yeah, I want to save that money each month? No, that money could actually make you better at what you do. And mm-hmm. when you look at the next 30 days, a month from now, you'll be like, thank goodness I made that investment because I've already made it back and something more. So I want us not just to look at analytics, you know, that are, that are online that are important, and we have to look at our own personal analytics. And what that does is it just allows us to, uh, to find out what we're not doing and identify what we need to recommit to. Uh, ouch. <laughs> um, mm. You know, when you, when you
0: self-reflect like that, and, and you're right, 30 days is an attainable number as opposed to, well, how did I do in the past year? Uh, it's a little bit too broad. But the last 30 days, when you think back realistically, are you still there? Or are Mm. you just going through the motion? Are you blindly binge watching your life, going through it? Or are you an active participant and are actually driving that story as opposed to being an extra in your own movie? Those are great questions. And thinking that on every aspect of life is actually an awesome motivation. You know, I love the fact that you quote in the book where you say, no matter where you stand today, your story isn't over yet. A new chapter begins right now. Are you going to begin your chapter right now that's the question
1: oh what a beautiful reminder if you do believe that the best is in the past you woke up today you're listening to this if you're listening to this you still care even if it has been a challenging year a challenging past 30 days if you're listening to this you still care and that's amazing and guess what you get to make a brand new decision every single day we get to make a brand new decision we can make decisions that make our life better or we can make decisions that make our life worse. Right. And I'm inviting you to make that that one decision each day that that one degree each day uh, to push yourself to make things to make things better. Absolutely love it. Hit us up with some links if I want to get a copy of your book.
0: We want to see what you got going on. Where can we find you?
1: Yeah, well, obviously I'm going to send you some links to share in the show notes, but the hub for everything is the on social media, YouTube, et cetera, you can find me at the Antonio Nev's. All the great information on the book, Stop Living on Autopilot, is there. Uh, you can find information about my podcast, The Best Thing, where I talk about subjects like this. And I think, you know, the listeners will really enjoy this book, Stop Living on Autopilot, to become bolder, to become more courageous, to find the edge, and to create some content they did not even know was inside of them.
0: Cannot wait to see the results of this. Really appreciate your time and sharing with us. And for the rest of you guys all hanging out here, don't forget to smash that subscribe button in your favorite podcast application. Share this episode with at least one other creator that's perhaps on the fence, perhaps is on autopilot, cruise control, rinse and repeating their entire YouTube career or other careers for that matter. Let them get some motivation. Let's get inspired. Let's look at our last 30 days and what can we do better? How can we make that one degree change to really make an impact? and deliver our message, which is why we became content creators in the first place. Let's not forget this. Let's share it. And At the end of the day, we're one happy creator family. We just want to inspire others to do the same. I appreciate your time here, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Tube Talk. Thanks for hanging out. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk, brought to you by FitIQ. Head over to vidIQ.com slash talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video-making day.